You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Union Road Presbyterian Church. For more information, join us on Facebook or visit our website at unionroad.org.uk. Please turn your Bibles to Hebrews uh, chapter 5. And as you find that in your Bibles, Hebrews 5, let me tell you a story about a tyrant. Now, Tyron was a, a boy who grew up in a very difficult and neglected area of London. He didn't have a father, and he had lots of problems in his life, even as a, a little boy. And he was expelled from a couple of different primary schools, uh, and then he was entered into part of a program where he was looked after by a, a youth worker. And the youth worker came from a similar background and experienced similar things. And, well... As the years go, go, went on, this youth worker was let down over and over and over again by Tyron. Tyron just neglected his meetings with him. He didn't want to be involved at all. He just wanted to do whatever he wanted, and he rejected the worker. He didn't really want to be involved with the worker whatsoever. But the worker, despite all the rejections he faced from Tyron, all the heartache that Tyron put him through, all the disappointments, when everyone else said they give up, the worker didn't give up. The worker kept at it and at it. It continued long after the actual program was supposed to actually end. He continued to try and look after Tyron. He didn't give up on him. Criminal charges, continued rejection. And after many years, Tyron, now a man in lots of trouble and problems, in and out of prison, huge blows in his life constantly, and now living in constant fear, looking over his shoulder all the time. And at different times over the years, Tyron wasn't able to be found by the worker. The worker came across him on, on, in the paper with criminal charges and records. And the worker looked for Tyron everywhere. And finally, the worker met with him one evening. And he was able to actually have stop him and have a conversation with Tyron. But Tyron was, well, he was a tyrant by nature also. And he let out this tyrant of abuse. And while he was in the full flow with the worker, head-to-head clashing, Around the corner in the darkness lurked another man looking to attack Tyron. That's why he was looking over his shoulder. A scuffle unfolded. The worker tackles the attacker. He then gets up and runs away. Both lying on the ground. Worker just has a flesh wound. Not too serious. And in seeing what had happened, Tyron rises to his feet in a fit of rage, anger boiling up inside of him. And Tyron shouts at his worker who's looked after him from when he was a little boy, What does it matter to you? Why do you care? Why do you even bother with me? Why would you do that? The worker's response was soft and gentle. Because I love you. Tyron, who was in a fit of rage, sank to his knees and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. Fast forward a few years and reflecting on that worker and that period of his life, Tyron says, when everyone else had given up all hope for me and my life, he didn't. Despite the recklessness and mess of my life, he did not give up on me. The worker relentlessly loved me, says Tyron, regardless of what I had done. And when we look at our lives, we are Tyron, aren't we? And Jesus is that worker. Hebrews 5, we learn that Jesus will not give up on us, regardless of how ridiculous our sin is, no matter how often we reject and push him away, Jesus is always available to us. 
And as we turn to Hebrews 5 this morning, we need to keep in our minds what's going on just a little bit before in Hebrews chapter 4, just from a few weeks ago. In Hebrews 4 and verse 17, it's up there, verse 15, that we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with us. Jesus sympathizes with us. Jesus is affected with the same feeling. He really gets us and he is our helper. Keep that in our background of our minds. And then into Hebrews 5 verse 2, Jesus will not give up with us. Why? Well, he can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. Jesus will not give up on us. Jesus is gentle towards us. That's what we're going to be thinking about today. How is Jesus gentle towards us? But our first point, Jesus can relate to us. Jesus can relate to us. He really can. See, this worker, he was uh, put in this program because he himself was in Tyron's shoes once before. And Tyron was linked with him because they had similar upbringings, no fathers, difficult the backgrounds. The worker understood the lifestyle. He had been there. He had lived the life. He was able to relate and Jesus is able to relate to us. Why? Because Jesus has lived the human life. He is one of us. He understands all the temptations and challenges. And Hebrews 5 begins explaining about this high priest, a high priest appointed to act on behalf of man in relation to God. And we're told here about this high priest that they are a subject to weakness. See, this initial context is about a high priest how Jesus is like a high priest, but yet different and far better. See, the high priests, the human high priests before Jesus, they were able to relate to people because of their weakness. Now, I'm not talking about weakness for an ice cream or a weakness if you see something colorful and you have to buy it, but the high priest was able to sympathize, able to relate to the people because of their weakness of sin. They were human, they understood sin. And the writer takes this picture of a high priest and how they're able to relate to the people and say they know what it's like to be weak because in verse 3 they had to sacrifice for their own sins as well as the sins of the people. This high priest is able to relate to the people in their weakness because they too were weak. High priests, as many devout there were, they were wayward like us and others were totally ignorant sinning. But even in how these high priests dressed before Jesus, they were to be reminded of the people and how they were to relate to them. They were, had these, this breastplate with stones engraved, 12 stones with the 12 tribes of Israel. In other words, that this, the tribes of Israel, the people that they relate to, would be on their shoulders and in their hearts constantly. And they're able to relate because of their weakness and because of their sin. Well, what does that mean for Jesus? How can Jesus relate to us? Because he wasn't weak with regards to sin. But that's why we need to keep Hebrews 4 in our mind as part of the same chunk. That Jesus is human every way, just like us, yet without sin. He is able to sympathize. He is able to relate to us. I'm sure many of us have come across different people in our lives, and there, is there anything more frustrating or worse than talking to someone who always thinks they know what's best, always know that what you're going through, that they always say that they understand, but in reality you know that they don't? Is there anything more frustrating or worse than that? And we can be tempted to think about that about Jesus, but that's not the case. Jesus is able to relate to us because of weakness. And what is that weakness? 
Jesus relates to us in his suffering. Jesus is able to relate to us in our weakness because he experienced suffering. This is where we cast our eye to verses 7, 8, and a little bit of 9. In Jesus, we have someone who understands truly what it is to, to suffer. Look at verse 7. We can feel the emotion even in the writer here. Jesus offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries and tears. Where could the writer be pointing us to in Jesus' life? Well, it's quite possibly the Garden of Gethsemane, isn't it? His agony in the garden for us. And I'm sure there are other places too. During Jesus' earthly life, he was confronted with the whole human experience. He encountered heartache and grief. He was utterly reliant on his Father in heaven. He depended on God for his needs to sustain him, just like we are. And in the garden, Jesus prays with loud cries and tears. Jesus faced the anguish of becoming sin with, for his people, bearing the burden and weight of all the sins of his people. And he prays to the one who's able to save him for death. This is a prayer to raise him from the grave. Jesus suffered. He is able to relate to us because he died just like we will. We have a Savior who understands suffering. And if you cast your eye into verse 8, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Well, what does that mean? It was not that Jesus was obedient and then suffered and somehow became even more obedient. But rather, it's the total amount of his obedience that was completed. He didn't know what it was like to be fully human until he experienced all of human life and death. His suffering up to and including the humiliation he endured on the cross is Jesus' suffering. It's his obedience right through all of that. Jesus had the complete human experience. He was human, yet he was perfect, but he died. Jesus was truly a man who could grow in the understanding and knowledge of what it meant to be human. Jesus came to understand the suffering by experiencing suffering himself. Jesus is able to relate to us in our weakness because Jesus experienced suffering. A bit like when we are tempted, Jesus knows the full extent of resisting temptation. When we suffer, in fact, the more we suffer, the more we relate to Jesus. Jesus, in all of his suffering, no matter how deep we go into our suffering, Jesus is able to relate to us. As Jesus experiences the trials and sufferings of life on earth, he continued to be obedient to his Father in the midst of all of those. And in our suffering, as the pain goes up and our anguish increases, as we descend into greater and greater despair, one commentator says we descend into Christ's very heart. The greater our depth of anguish and despair and pain, not the further away from Christ we get, but the closer to Christ we get. Because Jesus experienced suffering. He experienced severe suffering. Do you get that? Jesus knew that there was a suffering of death, and the fact he knew there was a death worse than death. Yes, death is bad enough. We all want to avoid it, but Jesus wanted a, another way for us. His dying on the cross was because of our impurity and unbelief and disobedience. That is the great and horrible threat to our lives. 
Jesus faithfully endured and painfully endured the suffering of this world because it was the Father's plan to rescue sinners through him. Through all of Jesus' suffering, he is able to relate to us in all the suffering we face, the suffering of the loss that we have of a job or a loved one, of our anxiety, of our ill health, of our toxic work or home environment, of physical pain and mental anguish, the pain of our sin and the guilt of our sin, Jesus relates to us as he suffered greatly. And he will not give up on us despite all our suffering. Why will he not give up on us? Because Jesus is the source of eternal salvation. He is the source and will not give up on us. His death is not in vain. It will never be in vain. His death is actually the very source of life to all those who obey and trust him. See, in this Hebrews portion, they're comparing the high priest before to Jesus being the, the final and greatest high priest. The priest before in verse 3 were told how to sacrifice their own sins to satisfy God's justice, as it were. And God graciously accepted those sacrifices because he knew there was a final sacrifice to come. Jesus did not have to sacrifice for his own sins. He was sinless. Think about it, the only Jew never to bring a sacrifice before God, Jesus in his life, yet he gave himself up as the final sacrifice. The humiliation of the cross, all that suffering that Jesus endured is actually the glory of the cross for the believer. The blood shed for our sin. Jesus gave up his life so that we would have life. Jesus is the source. He is the original life giver. We find life in Jesus. That's why he will never give up on us. But like the parable of the lost coin, the woman had treasure. Jesus has his people. He will find and his treasure will come to him, his people. Jesus is able to relate to us through our suffering because Jesus himself suffered to offer us life. There's no one else. There's no one after Jesus. This is it, the final and greatest high priest. That is why the, the writer tells us of this Melchizedek character. Melchizedek is mentioned two times in all of the scripture in Psalm 110, which is quoted there, that there be an order of Melchizedek, a priest forever. That is, Jesus is going to be a priest forever. He's the final one. And the Melchizedek appears in, in Genesis chapter 14. Abraham has uh, returned from battle, and he gives Melchizedek, the king of Salem, uh, and the, we're, told, we're told a priest of the, the God Most High, his tithe. And we know nothing else about Melchizedek. We know nothing about his parents or his lineage. We know nothing about his ethnic origin. We know nothing at all. In a sense, Melchizedek has no beginning and Melchizedek has no end. And that is Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega, the one with no beginning and the one with no end. He is the priest forever. He is the one who is the source of eternal salvation and offers it to his people. And it is eternal. It is secure. And it is final. Jesus really can relate to us. Because we see his love even in the midst of his suffering. That he is the source of life for us. He relate, relates to us in our suffering because he suffered. And he will never give up on his people. Jesus can relate to us. And then secondly, 
if you haven't picked it up already, Jesus is gentle towards us. Jesus is able to relate to us because he knows suffering far better than we do. He knows the great challenges, trials, and temptations of our lives. He is the one that is chosen, the one with eternal purpose. The human high priests, whenever they served the people, whenever they interacted with the people, one of the things that helped them relate to people was because of their sin, they understood where people were at. They had to offer sacrifices. And while you have all these pictures in the Old Testament and here of a, a high priest, what they were like, and they are there to help us see what Jesus is like, because Jesus is a greater and better high priest. So if a human high priest, if ministers are able to relate to the people, how much more is Jesus? Because Jesus is this final high priest, we know that he deals gently, that Jesus, it's in his nature to be gentle. It is Christ's nature to be gentle. And that really shouldn't surprise us. We started this series among us with the verses I shared at the beginning that Jesus is gentle and lowly in heart. It's his nature to deal gently. Whenever I was growing up, because I was, I'm going to say big for my age or whatever, I was older, I had younger siblings and younger cousins. My mum always had to say to me, if we had a family gathering and playing about, David, would you be gentle? She still says it from time to time, but David, would you be gentle? Jesus doesn't need to be told to be gentle. It's his very nature to be gentle. His heart is drawn towards us, drawn to us in our sin and our pain. Jesus deals gently. He's not disturbed with the errors, the faults, the sins of, of us, but he bears with us gently. Jesus is indulgent with compassion. A sympathetic Jesus co-suffers with us. But a gentle-hearted Jesus is not repulsed by us. Jesus is alongside us. He is with us, and he is gentle with us. Jesus responds in that way because it's his nature. I'm sure many of you have been frustrated with someone or had someone frustrated with you. And we'll see this kind of reaction all the time on the sports field or maybe a, a, a piece of a takeaway order missing where we throw up our hands in the air and go, oh, hands up in the air, exasperated. Jesus does not throw his hands up exasperated with us, even though we are like Tyron and reject him and disappear and don't talk to him. Jesus does not turn around frustrated. He does not give us a dressing down or lose his temper. Jesus is peaceful, calm, tender, soothing. He is gentle. He is gentle and will not give up on us. His nature is to be indulgent with compassion. Jesus' sinlessness does not make him unable to deal gently with us, but the very reason he does deal gently with us, he shares fully in us, in our human experience, including temptation and suffering. He is perfect in his reactions, his nature. It's holy. Jesus is gentle because it's his nature. And we're told there in verse 2 that Jesus, or he, the priest, but now Jesus, can deal gently with us, the ignorant and the wayward. Who are the, who is the us? It's the, the sinner, isn't it? The ignorant and wayward. It's just the, the writer saying, 
Jesus is gentle towards us. It's everyone, the ignorant and the wayward, those who have wandered away, who have gone astray. Maybe that's you. You've wandered astray a little bit. You've been walking along the walk with Jesus and you've taken the wrong turn when you've got into work or to university or into school whenever you were there. You've taken a, a deviation on the internet. You've wandered astray from Jesus. Maybe you ignore God. Sometimes we deliberately sin against God even when we know it is wrong. Or maybe we are just pretending that God isn't even there at all and we are actually ignoring God. Jesus is gentle towards us. His nature is to be gentle and his nature is to be gentle towards sinners that come to him. Jesus will deal gently with you regardless of your offense. Maybe you've ignored God and Jesus for a very long time. Maybe you've stuck your hand up at a meeting once and never really walked the walk. Maybe you've just been constantly ignoring God, no matter what your husband or your wife or your father or your mother has said to you. Maybe you've walked away from the faith in a time of difficulty and suffering because you thought that Jesus wouldn't understand your suffering, but he does. Maybe you've committed sin and think there's no way back for you. Whatever particular sin, when we come to Jesus, you will find tender, loving care. Coming to Jesus, sinners, find Jesus gentle. We bring our sin, our mess, our baggage, our suffering, our hurt, our guilt to Jesus, and he knows exactly how to relate to us. We can bring our mess of our sin to Jesus and he knows exactly how to receive us. He doesn't point us to the door and send us out, hands up in disgust, but hands out in delight. Out of Jesus' hearts flows love, tenderness. He is gentle towards us, and he deals exactly with us in the way that we need. See, dealing gently, it's Jesus' nature. Dealing gently with sinners is what's most natural to Jesus. He is gentle and lowly in heart. And well, do you want to feel the gentleness of Jesus? In Luke 15, along with the lost coin, there's the parable of the missing sheep, the 99 who were there, but the shepherd goes off and looks for the one sheep. A picture of Jesus not giving up on his people, coming, searching, and when he finds a sheep, what does he do? He picks it up on his shoulders and leaves rejoicing. That is gentle, tender care. That is Jesus' attitude towards sinners that come to him. He picks us up and gently brings us home. But the thing is, we need to come to him. To experience the gentleness of Jesus, we need to come with our sin. If we don't, we will not experience the lamb-like gentleness, but the lion-like judgment. If we never come to Jesus, we will never experience his tender, loving gentleness, his gentle nature towards us sinners. If we don't come to him, we will experience judgment. But it is utterly incredible. The depth of my sin, even in this just last week, the depth of your sin, that God and Jesus does not just cast us off, but Jesus would not give up on me or you 
that he is gentle towards me and you in our sin. He is patient with us. And we simply have to come to him. God, by his grace, has given us his son Jesus to be the source of eternal salvation. But we need to come to him in our sin. And when we come, we feel the gentleness of our Savior Jesus. Why? Because he fully relates to his people. He can relate to us because he suffered, well, more than us. See, when it comes to our lives and that we reflect on it, Dean Ortman says this, looking inside ourselves, we can anticipate only harshness from heaven. In other words, whenever we look at our sin, what we deserve is lion-like judgment. But looking out to Jesus, to Christ, we can anticipate only gentleness. In other words, that lamb-like tenderness, that love and care. Our sins, they are infinite. They are beyond measure. But Jesus is always gentle when we come to him. Have you come to the gentle Savior. We can't recall all the wrong that we have done. We often wander away from Jesus. Sometimes we ignore and turn our backs on him. But when we come to him, he is gentle and tender. When we come to Jesus, he welcomes us, regardless of the depth of our sin, because his mercy and grace go so much deeper. He is gent gentle and tender, loving and caring. Jesus is gentle, but let us come to him. Let me pray, and then we'll sing together. Lord Jesus, our hearts are so warmed in the light of your gentleness towards sinners like us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your mercy and your grace that you lavish on us. For Lord, we do not deserve your gentleness, but rather your wrath. And we thank you for Jesus, that he is the source of all life. And Lord, simply in our prayer now, we come to you in our sin. Lord, receive us in our sin and be ever so gentle. Correct us and rebuke us. Love us and cherish us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your gentleness. And may you bless us today as we come to you. In our gentle Savior, we pray. Amen.